0: I'm bringing, I'm bringing this up this morning. I want and I expect each and every one of you to have an imagination this morning. If you do not have an imagination when it comes to the word of God this morning, you are going to be dead in the water in regards to the text. You have to think. You have to imagine Chosen, this, uh, this uh, TV miniseries, so to say, is Sitting in the Gospels with an Imagination. I watched one a couple of the episodes this week. Uh, I didn't like them very much because a lot of it was focused on the disciples rather than on Jesus in the text. But in it, it was sitting in the imagination of conversations that the disciples were having with each other. And they're at each other's throats. They're sitting there talking about all these things that don't mean anything in regards to who Jesus Christ is and what it means to have a relationship with him. And that was the whole point of the episode, because there's Jesus ministering to human beings day in and day out, all day long, coming into his tent, weary, tired, as the disciples are sitting there bickering at each other nonstop. I bring that up this morning because that's a lot of what Jesus has addressed in. As he is revealing himself in this document, as he is revealing himself to John, in chapter 1 we have this incredible description of Jesus Christ in his glorified state and all of that imagery. But for chapters 2 and 3, as Jesus is addressing these seven specific congregations, and he's telling every single believer in him that if you have an ear, please hear what I'm saying to my churches. In those words of rebuke and correction that he's giving to these churches, he's attempting to free us from all the different bickering that we sit in. Um, All the different false doctrines, all the things that we make church, what what this experience is as we gather together, how we make it things, about things that it ought not to be about. That very first message in Revelation, I titled it Jesus, because the focus of the revelation of Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ himself. So we sat in chapters 2 and 3. It's all about Jesus' people. He reveals who he is. He has very clear words of encouragement and rebuke and promises for those that look to him as Savior. And in all of that, he's, he's there to free us from all the different distractions of life. All those things that we get bound up in and knotted up in, regard whether the, those are real pressures or false pressures, and in that, he, he sits in and he gives us these continual uh, promises of what it means to have victory in him, what it means to have a life that overcomes all obstacles, ultimately sin and death, and what it means to have freedom in him. I say all this to say, as we turn into chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation this morning, we're actually going to cover the both of them. It's all about the truth that Jesus Christ is worthy. And to be worthy of something means that you have value. When you sit in, um, when God created Adam and Eve, He said that when He created Adam, that it wasn't good that Adam was alone, that He created Eve to be comparable to Adam. And that's this idea of worthiness. What Jesus is as God, what He is in truth, in His faithfulness, in His action, how He reveals Himself, what He has spoken. Everything revolves around a description that he is comparable to what he declares himself to be, which is the very God of gods. We sit in um, this idea of his worthiness. He, the descriptions that we have of him, they, they fit who he is in truth. Anything that we can use to compare, Um, there's going to be a lot of imagery this morning in the language. All of this imagery is to help us to understand what it means that he is worthy to be worshipped, that he is worthy to be followed, that he is worthy to abandon yourself fully towards. So let's sit in this text this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation Chapter 4 and 5, we're going to read through. Um, I said this morning that you need an imagination. I said this morning you need to understand drama. This is one of the most dramatic passages in the Bible, in my opinion. There are certain portions of Scripture, all of Scripture is important, but there are certain portions that remain at the mountaintop that remain at the climax that remain at the pinnacle and this is one of those passages i beg that you listen i beg that you imagine i beg that you think i beg that you see who it is your god is that has created you and what does it mean that he's worthy to understand these two chapters will enable you to understand his entire program of what's going on. If you don't understand these two passages, you don't know who the God is that created you. So listen, think, see, and may God help us. Revelation 4. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper, and a sardius stone, in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, an appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps or seven torches of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. In the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The seventh living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne saying you are worthy O lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel who proclaimed with a loud voice, who, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much. Again, you got to sit in the drama of this because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, see, The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed, has overcome, has conquered to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation." and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Watch this crescendo. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power. Be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. What a scene. So here it is again, we're sitting in a document that we are told that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. God the Father has given this information to God the Son, who has given this to an angel to go and to show to John and to his servants things which must shortly take place. This revelation, we're told in chapter 1 that there is a specific blessing that's associated with reading it, with hearing it, and keeping the words that are in it. At the very end of this revelation, we have a warning not to add to the words of this prophecy nor to take any words away from it. So again, this is why it's so important to me to sit in the entire Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, verse by verse, word by word, chapter by chapter, concept by concept, not adding to it our opinions and not taking away from it things that cause us to be uncomfortable. But here, this this is the information that the God who created the heavens and the earth, has chosen to give to John so that we can sit in this information this morning that gives us a glimpse into what is real and what is true. Look at the information. Here we're told that John is being given this information that he was right to, to write the things that he saw, which we sit in chapter 1. He saw the glorified, resurrected Jesus Christ. He was to write the things that are this information that was being sent to the churches and the things that are going to take place after this. So we look into all of these events from chapter 4 through the end of Revelation, that this is all things that is going to take place in the future. And we we get this idea that there's this open door in heaven, and John hears this voice, come up here. I have something that I want you to see. And hear God, whatever God is in the sense of whatever spirit is, he lets John have a glimpse. We see these glimpses of God throughout the word in different places in... Genesis 15, when God is making a covenant with Abraham, Abraham sees this vision. It says a smoking oven and a burning torch. Like, what is that? When God delivers the nation of Israel from their slavery in Egypt and they're before Mount Sinai, we have this vision, this picture that God descends in this cloud, Covering himself because we can't see this being in our sinful flesh. What this is in in our brokenness, we cannot see this being and live. So he clothes himself in this cloud. The description that we have in Exodus is that Mount Sinai looked like a volcano in the sense of it was smoking like a furnace. We're told that the nation of Israel, that they audibly heard the word of God, God speaking, and that they were afraid. They saw this lightning. They heard this thundering. They heard this sound of a trumpet, which the sound of a trumpet was to gather the nation of Israel to God. And the people, Moses, you go talk to God, because everything that we're experiencing right now, it is scaring the life out of us. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is given a vision of the throne room of God. The description that is given is very limited in regards to God Himself physically. The attention is on His glory, His train is filling this room. And in that, there's the seraphim, which that's translated these burning ones that are saying this same, this same language, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. A description of his holiness, of his value, of what it is that he is in himself and his purity and all of that wonder. In Ezekiel, chapters 1 and chapter 10, Ezekiel has a vision of the glory of God as it's described. And it's really weird. Described as a whirlwind and a storm. Sees these same creatures with four faces. These wheels that have eyes within and without. Just... When you sit in the imagination of it and you go and you try and look at artwork, the artwork is pathetic in its attempt to give us a visual description of what's being seen in these visions. I've chosen just a silhouette of a lamb for our study in Revelation because that's the only thing to me that that encompasses All of these visual descriptions that we have of our God. In chapter 5 here, we have this vision where John says that he sees a lamb as though he was slain. Given this title there, right there, the worthy one is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. These very specific Titles that are associated with the Messiah. The lion of the tribe of Judah comes from Genesis chapter 49. The root of David in regards to a Messianic prophecy comes from Isaiah 11. But when John sees the vision that God has given to him in regards to the one who is defined as worthy, what's the picture that we're given? A lamb as though it had been slayed. And the, the picture, the imagery, is there was a death, there was a slaughter, there was a murder. The imagery comes specifically from Isaiah 53, that the Messiah was going to be cut off for the sins of humanity. And it's by the picture, by necessity, that lamb is alive. There was a resurrection There was a life that was gone and a life that has been brought back. And the reason why I'm camping on this before we get into the rest of the text is that this this idea of him as a lamb, our God that sacrificed himself, is the repetitious title. used 39 times of Jesus in Revelation. So it's not this, the imagery of, of sitting in he, him as the lion of the tribe of Judah, as the Messiah, as the king. Yes, there's that, that imagery in his glorified self, but repetitiously, he chooses to reveal himself to us as our sacrifice. When we look at our, at our king, when we look at our, at our God, he wants to remember what it is that he did on our behalf, in stepping off of his throne as God, as creator, you exist because he chose to create you. What it means that he became like you for the purpose, for the intention of showing you how valuable he considers you to be. It's it's incredible imagery. Let's go back to the beginning of chapter four here, because what does John see? When he sees heaven, he sees this throne. And again, sit in your imagination. What does this throne of God look like? Is it stone? Is it big? Is it little? How big is God? The attention that is given to the language here is on color. So you sit in these this this imagery of this stone. The Sardius stone is red, the jasper is there's multiple colors of, of jasper, but it's seen as you know like multiple colors of diamonds. The description of the one that is seated on the throne, the attention is not upon a physical description the attention upon is upon his his holiness light what he radiates what emanates from him this idea of a rainbow and it's it's a a rainbow is literally it's a the greek word is for iris where we get the iris of our eyes a halo i don't know if you've ever seen like pictures of the sun or you know where there's this reflection where you actually see like the iris of of Uh, You know, the sun's rays just radiating from this source of light. This is the description that we have of the being who has created everything. It's radiating this idea of glory. And in this image, you have the one who is seated on this throne, on this object. This object is it's a description of his authority, of his sovereignty. And around that singular throne are 24 other thrones. And there's a lot of debate in regards to who are these elders. And this is this is one of those, there's there's debate. I sit. if we want to sit in Revelation, being it's the best commentary on itself, you go and you look at Revelation 21, and the new heaven is described as having 12 gates. On those 12 gates, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel are written, and the new heaven has 12 foundation stones on which the 12 apostles of Jesus, their names are written. These 24 elders, to me, seem to be representative of both Old Testament and New Testament saints. The Old Testament saints who believed in the Almighty God, who after Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven, we are told that he emptied out this holding tank of Hades, of all believers, and took them to heaven with him. New Testament saints, to be part of the church, to be part of the body of Christ means that when you die in this spacesuit, that your spirit is immediately in the presence of the Lord. It seems that this these elders are representative of both Old Testament and New Testament saints. The word Saint is, means a holy one. Our holiness being, Received. It's, it's, it's what God is, and it's what he has given to us so that we can be like him in his presence. We are told that we, are, we have been made a kingdom of priests, and that seems to be, again, what these individuals clothed in a white robe, clothed in the righteousness of God. Represents what it means to be a servant of the Almighty God, is that imagery. And in this imagery, he not only sees God, the Father, these 24 elders that are around God's throne, sees the Holy Spirit, and in this imagery, the seven spirits of God. Again, imagery coming from Isaiah that we've already sat in, seven being the number of perfection and completion. But we are told, again, the lamb, the lamb is given this imagery that he has seven horns and seven eyes. You have this imagery of a lamb pretty much looking like a spider face with all these eyeballs. But again, the, the, the imagery, it's the weight is what's being revealed. God sees everything. He knows everything. He is searching everyone, all the time, and not seeking to destroy people, but seeking to save them and to bring them in. So he sees the Father. He sees the saved, the redeemed around the throne of God. He sees the Holy Spirit, and then he sees these weird creatures. He doesn't call them angels. John very clearly understands what an angel is as we go through the rest of Revelation. He is really clear when he sees an angel because he sees angels all over the place. But he calls these ones living creatures. What are they? I don't know. But they are created for a purpose. This is where you need to sit. And again, just the drama of the scene. We are told that these four creatures, they have no rest Day and night, they say a singular sentence declaring God's holiness, that the Lord God is almighty. It means all power. He is omnipotent. Again, this is, this is where you, you have to sit. This is how God is choosing to reveal and expose himself to you. I have all power. All of it. Never at a moment has he ever lacked a sliver of power. Never is there a moment where he has not been in control. He is sovereign. He is majestic. He is holy. And to help convey that, he's given us a vision to understand that there is, there is never a period where we ought to rest in that proclamation. The Bible tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Do you ever stop praying? Of course you do. Do these creatures ever stop? Is there a moment in history and time where they, they're not? these words aren't coming out of their mouth? Of course. That the, the image is to help us to understand how high and majestic God is. What happens when these four fascinating creatures worship God? The redeemed ones, these elders, they take these crowns, and they're not crowns of authority. They're crowns of victory. A diadem is a crown of authority. They're wearing Stephanos, the crown of a victor. They have overcome through the blood of the Lamb. They have been granted these crowns. They have been granted these robes of righteousness. They take these crowns off, and they throw them down before the king and worship. Recognizing that they're not worthy. Recognizing what they've been given. And as often as these elders are reminded of God's holiness and his power, what do they do? Go down in humility and in worship. What do they say? You're worthy. You're you're worthy to receive glory, which is weight and opinion and emphasis. You're worthy, Lord, to receive honor. You are valuable. You're worthy to receive power. Why? You created everything. Listen, listen. You exist because this being chose to make you. He's boss. He's in charge. He made you for a purpose, a plan. He wanted to. You exist according to his will. The, the, to me, this is just fast. He spoke creation, he chose to do all of this. We're told that Jesus, as the Lamb, was slain before the foundation of the world. This isn't plan B, this is plan A. You were worthy to receive glory, honor, power. Because you created everything. By your will, I exist. By your will, I was created. And then in the drama of this scene, John's given this image of the one who is seated seated on the throne. In his right hand is this document. What is it? The drama unfolds in a way as though all of heaven, all of earth, and every creature under the earth has been examined and has been placed into a scale, and not a single creature was found worthy, was found comparable to the requirement to open this document. And what does John do? He's snotting himself in the heaven of heavens, lamenting, weeping, mourning. One of these elders comes up to him and says, John, you know, you're know you going to get your boogers all over my, my clean garment here. Knock it off. Why? Get your eyes up there is one who is worthy. And we know his name to be Jesus. But then John has this image. He sees the lion of the tribe of Judah. He sees the root of David as this lamb as though it had been sacrificed. He's worthy. What does that tell you about Jesus? He's singular, He's unique. He is the one and only. Whatever it is that this document contains is extremely important. It required his death and it required his resurrection for the almighty God to be able to open it In Ezekiel chapter 2, as Ezekiel has this incredible vision of God's glory, as he is having a conversation with God and the vision that he has been given, Ezekiel is given a document that he is supposed to eat. And it was sweet in his mouth. But this document has the same description that it was written on the inside and the outside. And that document, the description that is given of that document to Ezekiel, that it was filled with lamentation and mourning and woe. As we turn to the next chapter of Revelation next week, the Lamb is going to begin opening this document. And when he opened this document... Lamentation and mourning and woe. We know this document has some idea in regards to being a will, in regards to being a a title deed, so to say, that when God created the heavens and the earth, that he gave dominion to man, male and female, to rule and subdue God's creation and to rule underneath his authority because of sin that was that dominion was removed and that dominion was handed over to this fallen one Satan the dragon the devil we're going to sit in this imagery as we sit in Revelation for this Fall, this sin to be removed from us, this document seems to spell out the requirement. It required the death of God to redeem his creation to himself. Fascinating. He and he alone is the one who is worthy to open it. But prior to the opening of it, as he is the one that can take this document, identified as the lamb that we will continue to sit in, we're told how heaven responds. So verse 8 of chapter 5. These four living creatures, the 24 elders, they have an instrument in their hand to worship. They have these bowls identified as our prayers, the prayers of the holy ones. And listen to this language again. We are to repetitiously tell our God his value to us. You're worthy to take this scroll. You are worthy to open its seals. Your worth comes from the truth that you were slain. You were slain for the reason to redeem us, which literally means to purchase us. God has stepped into the marketplace of humanity and has said, you're mine, and here's how I bought you with my very lifeblood. And it's not just of the nation of Israel, but out of every tribe, every language, every people, every ethnic group, you have made us kings and priests or a kingdom of priests to our God, which is exactly the words that God used to the nation of Israel in Exodus 19. We shall reign with you. And as the redeemed ones sing this song, John's vision expands beyond the one on the throne and the 24 elders and the Holy Spirit and the four living creatures and the Lamb. And it says that he sees an innumerable amount of angels. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, this is to convey a number that is beyond countable. And what is heaven do. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You're worthy to receive, to receive the scroll, to receive power, to receive riches, wealth, all that is, is yours. You are worthy to receive wisdom, you are worthy to receive strength, honor, glory. Blessing, the sevenfold proclamation of praise. And the scene not only expands beyond that, it expands to beyond just the realm of even possibility. Because listen to this every creature. and to me this is this is time in eternity every creature that has ever existed past present future every creature in heaven which is the dwelling place of god on this earth under the earth in the sea doesn't matter all of them every knee will bow every head and heart will be before this being prostrate in humility, in recognition in who he is, who he was, who he will be. Blessing, honor, glory, power, Be to him who sits on the throne, which is God the Father, and to the Lamb, which is God the Son, Jesus the Messiah, forever and ever. In response to that, the four living creatures say amen. And what do our representatives do? Well, these 24 elders that, again, seem to represent... The redeemed, the purchased ones of humanity. What do they do? They fall down again. And they worship. This is one of the easiest sections of the Bible to teach because all I do is repeat what it says. In my Esteemable opinion. It is one of the most fantastic visions that we could be, that we have been given of who it is that our God is. There is coming a day when we are going to see Him clearly today. It's it's like we look in a in a fogged glass, a fogged mirror. When you go stand before a fogged mirror and you try and see yourself, you know, you get, you can kind of see little glimpses and corners around the edges, but then you step back and everything looks blurry. This language gives us like enough of a handle and an understanding to know and understand who it is that you are as a creature. This passage gives to us a glimpse of what the Creator, of how much the Creator values you as His creation. Just a glimpse. You were worth creating. You were worth this holy one humbling himself in a way that he tells us he became the slave, the lowest slave of every single human being. To be slaughtered. Because the shedding of his life was required to buy you from death. Like this is, this is the weight of what this imagery is conveying to us. And all of heavens and earths and under the earths and seas, every single creature, creature for all time their response to this truth is just humble adoration gratitude god i value you you were glorious you were worthy you were worth living for you were worth dying for All of the focus of your word points to you. All of your actions towards us is so that we can be in this scene in the future. The reality is that if this is a future event and we believe that it is, is that those 24 elders, if they're just representative of us, it seems as though that we are in that scene in the future singing these very words. Why do I tell you that I love Revelation song so much as a song? Because it's just it's a, it's, it's a narrow glimpse of what the reality is going to be for all eternity. We will not rest day or night worshiping our creator. It will never get boring. It will never be old. You will never run out of light and energy. It is going to be Awesome. Worship team, come on up. Father, I pray for every single soul in this room, Lord, that we individually, Lord, that these words. Would not be lost because we don't understand, that these words, Lord, that they would not be lost because we're fearful and we're intimidated. Lord, we ask that these words would be planted within our hearts and our minds and our lives. That you would give us the understanding that we need, Lord, today to know that you are our creator. To know who it is that you are. That we would know your glory, your worth, your value. That we would honor you and cherish you. That we would sing these words, Lord, in spirit and in truth in our souls this declaration that you were worthy. You are worthy to be called God. You are worthy to be our King. You are worthy, Lord, to be our Savior. You are worthy to free us from our sins, from death. You are worthy to give us your life. You are worthy, Lord, you have given us hope. You've given us truth. You've given us good things. We exist because you chose to create us. We evolve in disgusting ways. Tried to take from your glory. Tried to lift ourselves up. Tried to lift up a a religion or a doctrine or an idea above you. We confess, Lord, our rebellion, our pride, our arrogance. We confess, Lord, that we make so much of this life about things that are not important, that they have no value. But you, you are precious. You are worthy. With those in the scene that we just read through, with all of your creation, we choose to humble ourselves before you and to worship you. Show us what that means. Give us the power, Lord, the ability, the understanding, the voice, the actions to make that worship true. I love this vision. I love the reality that it communicates to me right now. I love the truth, Lord, that there is never a moment when your holiness, your honor, your blessing, your glory, your strength, your power is not proclaimed. This is why I was made And this is the purpose that I will fulfill. I will worship you. God help me. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.